From Wake Up It's Still for our night show starring Noel, where you join Noel as guest this week, Gary Griffin to the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Noel. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the show. And with me, ladies and gentlemen, is is a amazing person, amazing musician. He, you may have seen him on television, but you certainly know him from on stage. He currently plays with the Brian Wilson band. He's played with the Beach Boys. He's played with Jan Dean, the Surf City All-Stars. He's the one only Gary Griffin. Gary, how are you doing today? Well, I'm fine. Nolan, thank you. I'm good. Well, I'm in, uh, in Ohio, and it's snowing here today. It's rather cold. It, so. it, it is cold here. Yesterday was 16 degrees, so it wasn't the most enjoyable thing walking outside. Well, you're colder than we are. We're in about the tw- tw- upper 20s, but the snow is coming down. And having spent the last 40 years in California, I'm still not used to this yet. Oh, I'm Just sure not you're not. I, I had mentioned I mentioned this because I had Bobby on a few weeks ago, and I had he obviously lives in Southern California, and my grandparents used to have a place in Vero Beach, Florida. So when they'd go down for the wintertime, and they'd always <clears throat> brag about how warm it is down there during this time of year, and I'd always want to wring their necks out because... <laughs> It's cold yeah. as heck here. Um, as mm-hmm. I mentioned, we've got going, uh, catching up on how life's going right now. And we kind of talked about concerts and whatnot. And obviously the last two years have been interesting. They've been somewhat peculiar. And in your situation as a musician, it's definitely been more interesting. So how has it been for you saying that you played right before the pandemic happened and then now as we're still sort of in it? Oh, it's, it's frustrating, but, you know, it's something we got to put up with. Yeah, we haven't really played. We played... In October, we did a bunch of dates this past October. But prior to that, we hadn't played since March of 2020, I believe. Long time off. So by the time we got back together, it was such a thrill. So much fun to get together with the guys and get in play. We had a wonderful time. The band sounded great. It's like everybody was on point. You know, everybody's like, we're going to do this as good as we can do it. Because I don't know how often we're going to get to do it again. Yeah. So. But so we're really looking forward to uh, getting back to work in a few months. Well, it was exciting to see when I saw that your the band yourself and the band were playing Chicago. I was like, how how did this happen? But it's definitely mm-hmm. an exciting thing for you. From your perspective, did you see anyone or or think that any or I don't want to say think, but see anyone that was sort of reserved in terms of thinking if they could still go out and perform as well as you guys did before the pandemic started, or was it still just naturally all oh, we're doing new great. I say it again, what? I don't follow you. Um, so obviously two years is a long time between the oh, yeah. previous tour and then this. Was there anyone that you saw or maybe they just had all the same opinion of, are we going to be able to still play well or just, you know, we're still going well, to be able to play? In a good the cool time? thing was when all the guys in the band, we're all, you know, we were, all, we were ready to go. Yeah. Brian had spent, fortunately had spent a lot of that time taking some really good vocal coaching, some really intense vocal training to keep his voice in shape. And he came back. And we saw him in October and he was singing better than he has in years. Yeah. It was great. It was so, so inspiring. I mean, cause we, we all should have been doing that, but he yeah. did it. He was singing strong. You know, it was really cool. Well, that definitely. And I, I recognize that I, I paid attention on social media and following his pages and whatnot. And that definitely was something, even on a certain like song, like his classic surfer girl, way, his very first one at 19 sing that song. That's a very high song that he sung when he was younger, but to still be able to hold on to that song and still perform it as well as he did at his age is definitely amazing that he was that perseverance through the, um, through this whole time. Uh, We talked about, uh, we talked about uh, earlier before we got going here, the uh, past few weeks with the playoffs and the Bengals and the stuff. So besides how how crazy has it gotten now, even during the pandemic with what, what just happened this past weekend? Oh, it's so cool. Well, I, I'm, I'm living back in, in, uh, in and around Cincinnati, which is my hometown. We came back, my wife and I came back here about, it's already almost three years. I can't believe it's been this long already. And this city is just nuts for the Bengals because they haven't been good in yeah. years. And now they're really good. And they, you know, fought their way through the first two playoff games. And now they play the uh, Chiefs on Sunday. And who knows, you know, we beat them. We beat them about a month ago. So maybe yeah. we can do it again. And you it's beat, great. Beat beat the Raiders, and that was a last minute. That was a last second play as well. So that was the, every game. Almost, yeah, every game has been like that. It's been great football. The, the Chiefs almost lost, so who knows? I, I I'm rooting for you. I'm I'm not a huge although although uh, Mahomes is a good quarterback. I, I'm not too uh, on top of him this this year. Speaking of growing up in Ohio, I sort of want to this is how I want to dive in. 
you grew up in Ohio and uh, yep. what was your music, what was your relationship with music like, not only in the sense of listening to it, but also possibly doing it as a career when you got older? Well, I started taking piano lessons on my fifth birthday. That was my birthday present from my Aunt Fran, a year's worth of piano lessons. And I remember saying, well, okay, I guess, I guess I'll do that. <laughs> so I did it and I took to it right away. I loved it from the, from the minute I started playing the piano at age five, I loved it. Um, and then once I started hearing rock and roll on the radio in the early sixties and hearing the Beach Boys, that was, I was just enthralled by it. That's all I ever wanted to do was play music like that. And, you know, I had no idea that it would actually lead to something, but it did. I got lucky. I got I was blessed. Grant, seeing as though Ohio's not near the <laughs> Pacific Ocean nor the Atlantic Ocean, for you, what was right. that pull for the Beach Boys type of music, seeing as, you know, Pacific Ocean wasn't near you? Like you said, it's just like no lifestyle. Nothing could have been farther from what I was, the way I was growing up. And so it was just fascinating to hear these songs about the beach and the girls and the cars. We had none of that. Yeah. You know, the girls, we had some girls, but they didn't have, they didn't have anything to do with me, believe me. <laughs> I was a little nerd. <laughs> Still am. But it was just fascinating. So uh, quite alluring. So when I finally got to go to California, first time was in, first time I went to California was in 73. I just loved it. You know, I loved it. Then I moved out there yeah. in 77. No, Man Greg talked about Man Greg Coffee, um, who you were uh -huh. on their show with, talked about how when I think it was at least Matt, I don't know about Greg, but Matt talked about how, and I know Darren has mentioned this in other interviews he's done, where he got made fun of for listening to the Beach Boys music and where he grew up. What, what, what was your love for the Beach Boys? across the board with other kids your age where you grew up in Ohio or is it, you know, a rare, a rare thing? Well, for, for the first few years, of the Beach Boys success, was, they were very cool. They were very hip. And then things kind of turned in 67 or 68. Yeah. Suddenly they weren't all that, that cool. <laughs> they were to me and they were to a lot of people, but we kind of had to keep it on the down low because it wasn't all that hip, but they really turned around. And now their music obviously is just persevered and is is so well loved it, fortunately very, consequently very i have a career especially the last few years where they've released stuff since the or at least brian specifically the last few years <clears throat> after the the 50th anniversary tour which i want to get to eventually that you had a part in i marvel at the i marvel at the fact Gary, and this is me being all honest how you were hell-bent on being part of the beach boys and playing with them from an early age and then you ended up yeah. being with the beach boys how yeah. how how uh, all in were you on that sort of goal when you were younger? Because that's a big gamble to dream that high to be with that group. Yeah, I was out of my mind. <laughs> that's just what I wanted to do. And, and uh, so I would go to their, when I was still living here in Cincinnati, just, you know, college age, high school, college age, I would go to any concert they did in the area and kind of do everything I could to get in their face, you know, to, to meet them and hang and <clears throat> to be a pest, basically. and then. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it, you know, it connected and Mike Love called me out of the blue. Mike Love and Ron Altback called me out of the blue in uh, 1977 and said, we need a, we need a, <laughs> we need a keyboard player. Are you interested? I said, I, 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 what, 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 what'd you say? <laughs> I said, of course I'm interested. And that's how it happened. They just, I don't know. They, I had sent them tapes of the band I was in at the time. So I guess they could hear that I wasn't, awful and <laughs> that's there, good enough to think, consider so. well that uh, that is definitely something i want to get to in a little bit um but i first want to ask you you know there's an interview you had done a few years ago for soapbox in back back in ohio um i think it must have been around the time you moved back to ohio and i talked about how you were playing in a band called chillingsworth during the hippie yeah. movement for yeah. you what was that i mean obviously we know about you know the grateful dead and that whole thing out in california maybe in new york for you growing up and being part of that movement playing in that movement in ohio what was that like well we were we weren't all that hip or cool we did a lot of very kind of middle of the road stuff four-part harmonies it was just kind of clean beautiful stuff 
And so we weren't like cool by those terms, but it was a great band with like good friends and, and we had a wonderful time. But I don't know, just, we just- Great, great uh, experience. Great experience. Well, I, yep. I had asked, I had asked Bobby this, and you know, he has maybe a little different story. Um, seeing as two, two of his sisters had sung back or had been backup singers for I Continue Turner early on. Um, but I asked him this question of, you know, some parents when their kids are growing up, they have a certain idea or direction that they want their kids to go into in terms of career and what job they want, where they want to go to school. How mm-hmm. supportive and how invested were your parents in your, you know? musical career starting out were they big for it or was it something that they were like oh this is just gonna be a, a phase no they were my, they were very supportive very much so especially my mom she was she loved to play the piano herself she loved music and she always wanted to be a, a musician you know but she never get that opportunity so when i started doing it she was very very supportive and then when i started with the beach boys they were just thrilled and then they didn't know what you know, what it would, you know, they didn't know like what kind of a career it would be, what kind of yeah. money I could make. But that was the, the only <laughs> the only address I had for the Beach Boys office to send checks to <laughs> was their house. So the checks went there and they'd open the checks and go, hey, this is pretty nice. Yeah. You're making some money here. <laughs> this yeah. is all right. So they, they were thinking they were, their baby boy, Gary's uh, making a smart move. Yeah, well, at first they thought, oh, what's he going to make a couple couple dollars here and there? And not that it was a lot, that not wasn't all that much money, but it was certainly more than they ever yeah. anticipated. And, and me too. So that was great. They were how, very supportive. They always were. How long after that group Shillingsworth did you, did you, um, how long was that experience before you started working with Mike Love in 73? Uh, was there a big period in between both groups or was it, you know? Three years. Chillsworth, I have was doing other groups here in town, and I was actually working as a recording engineer in a studio here. So that was a great experience. Great experience. When you're now in that situation, that's a big, I would think, a big adjustment going from a, a, a band from your hometown in your area to then going to the greatest band probably of all time, the Beach Boys, especially that phase mm-hmm. um, after, you know, Sunflower and those albums. How do you yep. tell your uh, how do you tell your other band members that you're with that oh hey I'm leaving because I'm going to go be playing with the Beach Boys for a little bit? <laughs> is it something easy for you to say to them, or is it something that's, a that's good an argument? Easy. It was a piece of cake. I was so proud. I was so excited. And the local paper, the Cincinnati Enquirer, actually did a big feature on me <laughs> going off to play with the Beach Boys. Like local boy makes good. It was very cool. So it was a wonderful time. In the, all my friends were very supportive. They still are. They're still very excited about what I do. You know, it's very cool. Now, when you, although you only did a, although it was maybe only a few recordings that you had done with Mike Love during that 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 time before you joined them on that tour in '77, was there any worry in terms of when you went out to California to go do those recordings with Mike that uh, what would happen next after in your career, or was it something like these recordings are going to help me move forward up into my career that I want to do? I didn't know where it was going to lead to. I didn't, I just didn't know. I thought, well, it's all great. Something's good to happen. So, you know, and then when that started, then I did up, uh, move to California permanently. And I started meeting a lot of people and working with a lot of different people. So things kind of steamrolled and just kept going, snowballed. And I was very fortunate. I lived out there, as I said, 41 years and I never didn't work. You know, it was great. I mean, it was wonderful. Did you, when you were with my, when, at one point, or if you at all, did you think that you would be you'd be playing with the Beach Boys after that? Was it after doing those recordings, you're like, I'm going to be playing with them? Or is it, you know, if that happens, that happens, but I'm moving on to the next thing? Well, I, I wound up playing with them off and on for years, you know, just in and out of the group. And then, you know, as we all know, they have so many, they kind of splintered off into different yeah. identities, <laughs> entities. And I worked with different formations of them. And of course, it's quite a few years with Jan and Dean too, which was kind of like the, uh, the minor league, <laughs> the minor league Beach Boys. I don't know. I I, I think Jan and Dean was uh, preceded the Beach Boys, if my they did, yeah. correct. So if if anything, mm-hmm. the Beach Boys were at at one point where the minor league for Jan and Dean. And then, yes, they were. And yes, then they, they were. superseded them as the Beatles did to the Beach Boys early on. Um, yeah. Girl, when you were 
when you moved to LA, was it hard for you to transition to that sort of lifestyle or was it something that you just naturally got to since you had never It was pretty that? easy actually, basically because I was busy, I was working and I already had a lot of friends out there. So it, it was pretty smooth transition. Yeah, no problem. 77, yep. you joined the Beach Boys for that tour. What was yep. that? What was that like leading up to that phone call? Did you could you sense that something was going to happen or was it just, you know, they no, call you out of the blue? That was out of the blue, completely out of the blue. I mean, I had been in touch with Mike off and on for the, last, the previous three, four, five years, just as a pest. You know, hey, what's going on? You need, you need a keyboard player? You need somebody? Thinking, well, this is it. I'm a complete out of my mind for doing this, but I might as well bother, bother him. I might as well call anyway. Yeah. And then it would pay off. So, no, it, the, that call came out of the blue. It was really, wow, what? Who's this? At, at that yeah, point, when you, when, when you joined him for that tour, um, was there, did you have any idea how long you were going to stay with him? And was that sort of lo- uh, the same amount that you expected to play with him when you were a kid, or was it just whatever? happens happens no i didn't know i didn't know what it was. i didn't know how it was going to be i didn't know what to expect they were pretty it wasn't a wonderful time for them they were kind of yeah splintered a bit there wasn't yes there's one there wasn't a lot of unity i'm sure yeah. so all of us were kind of on the firing line nobody knew what was going to happen so how but it was that, still fun how does that work in terms of how long are you going to be there when you join them in, in the capacity that you were is there like hey you're going to be with them us for this amount of time and that's it or is it just whatever however long the the situation is yeah no, he had no idea had no idea what it was going to lead to when, when you're so, with the, when you're with them at that point i mean obviously you know growing up you listen to the music you grew up with group with jan dean and dick dale and all these other beach boy-esque <laughs> musicians as well as other rock and roll when you're joining with them and maybe it's the same case for other guys who have been with them is there still a love for that music when you're playing with them or is it now more of a professional appreciation for the music instead of, you know, a, a boyhood fandom? Oh, I'd have to say that I have never lost one iota of affection for this music. You know, it doesn't matter how, you know, how many times I play these songs, I still marvel at how cool they are, how, how good they are. No, I still, I'm still thrilled to play it. I really am. At, at that point, obviously, you're playing with Brian nowadays, and you've played with Mike in that group um, as well. Another point as well. How do you stay in that situation? Obviously, you're a young guy joining a tour with a lot of seasoned musicians. How do you stay professional in that situation? Because I'm, I'm, I've always been curious in that when you join a group like this and you're with them and you have to you know, play, but also make sure you're staying on your game or else you're going to get that Carl Wilson stare and get kicked out. <laughs> You know about the Carl Wilson stare. I, huh? I've heard Bobby mention it, and he told me about it, and I, I, I know about it. But oh. h- how do you deal with that when you're with the group at that young age? You just have to have confidence in what you're doing. You figure, well, I'm doing as best as I can, and if there's something else I can do, tell me about it. That's what I told I told Carl that once. He gave me the stink eye <laughs> on stage, and oh, how did it go? Then yeah, he gave me just he turned around and gave me the look, <laughs> and afterwards. After the show backstage, I said, Carl, you know, when you do that, all I know is that something's not quite right. I have no idea what. And he goes, I know. That was it. <laughs> at, at, what was at, I want to talk about that. And you've mentioned it, you know, them having splintered a little bit at that point. What was what was he like at that point? You know, obviously he's the leader of the group as the musical director, but also so the guy who's in charge of the whole corral there, especially when they're all splintered. Yeah, great. He was all music. He was all about the music. And, you know, yeah, he was completely on top of it, on top of his game. He was so good. Yeah, great leader, great band leader. You, you joined the group w- around the time of the MIU album, which, you know, all these, year late, all these years later, regardless of your stance, hasn't always been a, a, a fan favorite amongst some people how do you assess that album looking back at it at this point in comparison to then i'm i'm always been puzzled by people that don't like that album i thought it was very cool i thought there were some great songs kind of easy simple productions i thought i thought some of the songs were spectacular i know very proud to play on it i loved playing on that record how did you de- how did you deal with living in in the uh, dorm dormitories at uh, the campus <laughs> there? I, I heard it was sometimes rough it was rough. It was just odd. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it's just odd. We actually had a curfew, a bedtime oh, wow. curfew and stuff. And uh, we all ate meals together. And 
but we were so busy making music that it was you know, that, that that was the main thing. Everything else was like, well, this might be an odd lifestyle, but boy, we sure love making, we sure love uh, working in the studio with everybody. During that was that, great. During that time, obviously, you know, that's the MIU campus is where they made that album named after. Yeah. Was there any other music that was made there that wasn't that wasn't for the album? Maybe solo projects or anything like that, or was it just? Oh yeah, album? we did a Charles Lloyd record there, Celebration, the Almost Summer soundtrack. We did some songs for uh, uh, Marilyn and Diane, which they called themselves American Spring at the time. There was, we were just working all the time on different things. Yeah, during, a lot of stuff. During the 77, 78 time period, Dennis, either it was already released or he was probably soon to release it. He had his Pacific Ocean Blue album that came out around that time. Were you, how aware were you of him making that around that time? That was done just prior to me joining right. the band. It was completed already. I had already, I already owned that record when I started with the Beach Boys, and I thought it was great. And Dennis was so proud of that record. Yeah, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was a great time for him. It's, it's, unfor it's unfortunate that there was never a, you know, a, a tour of that or anything of that, of that nature because it is such a great album. It was one of the very first albums I have in, in my collection that I listened to. I forget. I must have gotten for my birthday or something that in Surf's Up, which is a sort of weird combination to get at. At, at one yeah. time but no a very great album that i wish but i'm also glad in the sense that it, it did so well 2008 when they re, i don't want to say resold it but re sent it out and it got all those all that success that it um that it got um for you now, nowadays obviously you work for brian you work with brian and his band what was how do you compare or how was how was he like back then when you were working with him in the late 70s compared to now <laughs> He was fun, you know. He was fun. He was, he was, he's very, you know, impulsive and impatient. Not impatient in a bad way, but just like I want to do something. I want to do it right yeah. now, and and he might be fixated on something he wants to do, and let's do it right now, or else, as we all know, the, the impulse is going to fade away, and it's gone. So he had a lot. There are a lot of moments like that. Where he said, we got to do. Uh, we got to record my Sharia more by Stevie Wonder. We got to do it. Oh, oh, okay, now well, it's worked really fast. How's it go? How's it go? By the time we figure it out, he's lost interest and just moving on to stuff. Lots of moments like that where was he, he just he, was he pretty there on stage in terms of you know physically as well as you know mentally. On stage, he was a little bit inside himself, you know, right. for lack of a better term, you know, just he wasn't didn't seem all that comfortable on stage. Yeah. In the How studio, was he, he was when he uh, when he sung when he was singing his you know his his probably his, one of his best songs, Surfer Girl. What was that like seeing him at that stage, seeing seeing that? Well, his voice was his voice was. Let me think now. In '77, his voice was pretty. His voice has gone through some changes yeah. through the years, and I don't know if I really remember exactly what it was like at that point because I've heard him so many different. You know, was it close to Dennis's voice? In terms of the raspiness? Well, yeah, somewhat. He had already kind of lost that falsetto. That had kind yeah. of faded, faded away. Yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. I guess it kind of like was a little raspy. And that, after, you, how do you, after you left with, after you left the, the group after that tour, what's next for Gary? And how do you deal with the not being with the group you wanted to be with as a kid? You mean after, the, after I stopped touring with the Beach Boys yeah. back then? Yeah. Well, what happened, the next thing was Mike, had that got that group called celebration together to support the almost summer soundtrack, the movie almost summer. And we did some shows. We kept busy with that. And then that, that went right into Jan and Dean. They would, they would, Jan had recovered enough to be able to tour. And I had met Dean during that time. And he said, he asked me if I wanted to play keyboard in his band. And that led to years and years of work. When you, after you left, how do you, how did you assess that situation when you were with the Beach Boys, even if it wasn't, you know, the length of, you know, an Ed Carter period or a Mike Kowalski period, but when you're, after you achieved that success you had with the Beach Boys? Oh, those, by the way, those are two of my dearest friends from this entire experience of playing with the Beach Boys, Mike and Ed. What great guys, great musicians, great guys. Yeah. So, yeah, th that was one of the real great things that came out of that experience was meeting those two guys. Well, I, what I what I realized and what I want to you know I'll talk about briefly near the end is that a lot of the guys who had played with the Beach Boys, whether it was you know I don't want to say major members, but like a Billy Hinchy and those sort of members of the group, you know, have all formed their own groups that sort of give I don't want to say tribute, but sort of play the music, which morals up the fact that how big the the group is in terms of the Beach Boys and sort of 
mm-hmm. pull they have in their music. Um, you mentioned the, you mentioned how you worked with Mike for Celebration and, and then with his other stuff, and then you joined Jin and Dean. How much of the Beach Boys in comparison to Celebration was your how you got into it, Jan and Dean, or is it just you know how great of a musician musician you were? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Just to talk to the other guys that worked with me, I don't know. Jan and Dean was that was that was a nice transition because I love their records and uh, you know it was a great uh, great experience. Good players. Well, so you, very similar, similar, similar to the Beach Boys experience. Oh, sure. really was. Yeah. And you you played with you played with Chris Farmer and, and mm-hmm. Jan and Dean, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, yeah. And obviously he played with the Beach Boys after. But what was it playing like with him at, at, early on in that in that uh, in that band? Oh, he was great. He was a he was young when he started. He was even younger than I was. He was like he's, he's like he's like nine years younger than I am. Yeah. So yeah, he was very young when he started. He was great, sharp as could be, great ear, great player, great singer. What was Jan yeah. like after when when you had joined them after his his accent that he had? Was he was he was it was he sort of back i don't want to say back to his old you know style because i'm sure that that can't happen but what was that experience like jan was still he was musically sharp he had a lot of clarity in his mind about music but he had trouble communicating it yeah and he was very frustrated to not be who he used to be he used yeah. to be just on fire and and you know controlled produced records and controlled every aspect of their recording so for him not to be able to have that ability yeah. to do that anymore was very frustrating so you know and that would come out he would get you know upset a lot but he still had it up there he still could hear it he still knew what he was doing he really did well i i saw i had a friend or i wouldn't say friend but someone who you no, know, i was close with and didn't have any issues with who went, went sort of through the whole that whole similar experience where they lose completely who they are and sort of have to rebuild. So it's definitely tough. And I had watched a few videos of Jan and Dean around that time and years afterwards into the nineties and early two thousands. And I could tell that, you know, I'm sure it was very frustrating for him to have to deal with what he was given, but then also still want to perform. As I mentioned in the intro, you know, and I didn't mention this exactly, but you know, thanks. I don't want to say thanks, but you know, in due part to your dear pal, Mr. John Stamos, you uh, joined mm-hmm. him on General Hospital, then Full House. So for you, Bobby Figueroa has, has made an appearance on Full House and other shows. Mm-hmm. For you, in your experience, what was that like being on television? Because I know that you were on there and you had said before it was fun and that you got some speaking roles. Yeah, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, it was just John. I had just met John in 80, 82, 83, right about there when he was just starting on General Hospital. And he took off his success just skyrocketed so quickly. And I remember meeting him and saying, hey, they want, you know, they want, they want me to have a band on the show. You want to do it? You want to be in the band? I said, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> what is the show again? General Hospital. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so suddenly, you know, I'm working on, you know, the, the number one daytime show in the country. And for whatever reason, they started giving me speaking lines. I, I had, no experience at this, but I wasn't about to tell them that. They said they want to give me speaking lines. I'll do my best. So that that was great, and that that's that experience just kind of moved right over into Full House a few years later. The same type of scenario, where his character had a band, and he asked me to do it, and then they gave me more and more speaking lines there. And I went up to that and writing music for the show for eight years it was a great time, great experience. And how that do you, show was how do you measure that between Full House? Uh, the Beach Boys, and then Jan and Dean, and that TV experience. Well, it was a different experience, yeah. but it was it was still, uh, you know, overwhelming to be involved with something that's that popular and that successful. Full House, we had really no idea that that show yeah. was going to be success. The first few months or first year, it was like, is this going to work? You know, is this gonna, all of a sudden it's a huge hit are those moments are, are those moments where there's the, um the beach boys or you know jan and dean or the television stuff another moment where you sort of have to you know be excited inside but then outside you have to you know stay calm cool and collective and professional or else you know you're out of there <laughs> yeah i guess so yeah yeah you have to kind of act like you belong there act like you deserve it is, is there a, now, I, I want to ask you this, since you were on, on Full House, or you were on, on Full House with Stamos, obviously Dennis is one of his biggest songs, if not his biggest song was Forever. 
yeah. Stamos covers it on Full House, and they sing on Summer in Paradise. Right. Is there a version that you like better than the other one, or is is it the same since you you're so close with him? We did well. Obviously, we did the the, the rock and roll version that came out on Summer in Paradise. I like that a lot. But uh, the other day, I heard I saw an episode of Full House, a wedding show, yeah. where I'd forgotten that I had I had arranged it for string quartet, <laughs> and and John sang the lead. It was really it was good. Yeah. Wow. I, that really, I forgot about that. That was really cool. So we did. So we also did a uh, a rap version really? of it. Did you ever hear that? No, I've never heard a hip hop rap version of it. Wow. I guess the storyline was that some record company wanted Jesse and the Rippers to you know get a little cooler and get hip and play uh -huh. some hip hop. So we did forever. It was horrible. It was supposed to be horrible. You know, it was funny. Very very funny. So okay. we had a lot of fun with that song. Hope nobody thought we were disrespecting it in any way that that episode the one that you just mentioned the winning one you know i grew up with the show obviously i, I wasn't alive in the 90s so in the 2000s when it was reruns that that song then the episode of full house where they sang kokomo and and uh, barbara ann when they had that big stadium ba barbara ann kokomo and forever where the three first songs i heard the beach boys and years later finally getting back wow. into them after a little kid. Well, I, I obviously when you're growing up, you know, nowadays, I don't want to say, I don't want to down the Beach Boys music, but uh, you see people like Rihanna and Taylor Swift, those people who are big now. So they're sort of in the star, the main light. So you don't really hear the Beach Boys on main radio. So I heard that song and you know, the hits and then finally the last few years getting back into it. But I, I've always had a liking towards, um, towards that one. When you um, you worked with Stamos again in the early 2000s for the uh, TV docu series, um, mm -hmm. the Beach Boys thing. What was that process like in comparison to what you had done previously with him? That was quite a challenge working with actors who were uh, not necessarily musicians. I mean, some of the guys had some some musical background, but those guys did a great job at stepping up and really looking and acting like they were making music they did yeah. a great job and it was a thrill I, I loved working on that it was a lot of work intense work but i thought that in that in that miniseries has taken a few hits from the fans too but i think certain aspects of it are really well done really and uh, a lot of it had to do with the music production on it we did a great job so they, you could you could quibble with the storyline here and there, but it was tough to put that together. Now, in, in that situation, I don't have any sort of documentary background or film background um, or any musical real background besides playing saxophone for all six seconds in middle school for a class <laughs> credit. Um, but no, we need to hear that. We need no. a recording of that. Come oh, on. God, no. I, I never practiced once. The only practice I had was with the uh, mouthpiece. So Mike Love laps me continuously with that so does randy um how now obviously it's known that beach boys have had you know several different documentaries and movies made about them and brian's life has as well how do you in that situation with that document with that docuseries on tv how do you do your best in terms of making sure the story is getting out about the beach boys but also making sure it's not strictly a docuseries so you're getting people involved with it well fortunately my job didn't have anything to do with the storyline or the writing or anything. I was just music director. So that's all I was really brought in to work on. So, but there were a lot of, there were a lot of uh, arguments about the story, the, the script and how different characters were being portrayed. And nobody was really happy with the whole thing. That, that was tough, it was tough. Do you have, but when you're trying to, when you try to condense an entire career yeah, in a four hour hard. miniseries, certain liberties have to be taken. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Nobody's well, can't please everybody. And I'm sure, and I'm sure, that, you know, making sure you're squeezing as much as you can into things similar to the Love and Mercy documentary or the one that just came out about Brian Long Promise Road. Between those mm -hmm. two, do you, is there one that you like more than the other? I mean, I know you were in, you know, Love and Mercy, um, mm -hmm. helping Paul Dano's character, Paul Dano's character, right, um, right, right. Playing the songs. Right. Do, which one do you like one more than the other? I thought Love and Mercy was fantastic. I like the documentary too a lot. I just saw it once. I need to see it again just to kind of because it was a lot yeah. to take in. I thought it was really good. It was really touching seeing Brian, you know, visiting all his old haunts. It was yeah. great. A very in that situation where he was revisiting at least some of the different ones. I don't know if you remember, but when he had visited Carl's house, 
later into the documentary, it was very hard for him to deal with it, which definitely showed the the um, yeah. softer side of him. If I'm not mistaken, you jo- you rejoined Mike's group briefly in the early 2000s after Mike Miro said had left, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I subbed in for a few shows. I don't, I can't remember how many. I, yeah, I did. A, I did a little bit of stuff. Yeah. How do you at that point? Obviously, Carl had passed away in the late in '98. How do you assess that period of the Beach Boys as well as the camp in general, where they're sort of trying to figure out their, you know, their musical stuff now, um, going forward? I don't know if I remember that all that clearly to be able to speak to that. I, I don't know. I just I was brought. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know. Carl was gone, and it felt. I know it felt very, very different without him there. That's for sure. But they were still just you know, trying to make it work. So no, I don't really remember that much about that. Whether it was at, at that period or uh, 2008, Brian had. I know it was 2004. Brian had released Smile after you know decades of having it <clears throat> in the vaults. Had you had listened to the bootleg sessions when it was supposed to come out, or was it a new experience for you when it came out in 2004? No, I had heard some, a good bit of it prior to that, and uh, but I didn't really get to, I didn't get to work on the smile, this, the, the recreation of it. But I thought they did an incredible job, and it was great to, great that that music got finally got uh, released. It's fantastic. No, but I, I was familiar with it a lot of it prior to that. It's great stuff. For you, um, you also as as it was in the the, the 50th anniversary album or an album, uh, no, yeah, vinyl, record, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. did some engineering work on there, which you've also done with a lot of other well-known people as well. How do yeah. you assess that situation where you're not playing, but now you're making sure they, they sound good? Is, is that, you know, as stressful or more stressful than when you're playing? It is, there is, a, there is some pressure on there, yeah. Because yeah, you're dealing with personalities you're not necessarily familiar yeah. with, and you're hoping they're not, you're going to be amenable to any criticism you might have, or and most most all of those people were great. Anybody I had in the studio, it were it was a great experience, all of it. Yeah, but we did some of the Beach Boys 50th things. Some of the vocals we did out of my little studio out in the San Fernando Valley. You know, they liked coming out there and singing. Brian used to love to come out there and sing. He just come out. He just called me up now and then and say, "I want to come over today and record." <laughs> What's said, that like? Oh, okay, sure. What's that like when you get a call from Brian Wilson to come over to your house? That's, that won't happen to a whole lot of people. I know. It's very pretty surreal. And that he called me up first thing in the morning, on uh-huh. really early, saying, I want to come over and record uh, such and such. He'll have some song in his head that he wants to record. You know, like I said earlier, he's very impulsive. I want to do this song today. He called me, I want to come over and do that. He said, okay, Brian, come on over at 1 o'clock. I'm, I'm available at 1 o'clock. Then he'll show up at 11 a.m. instead. Wow. <laughs> what does he do? What does he do in that situation then? Because obviously he's a man who is, you know, like you said, has to do something at a certain time. Does he just sit and eat food at your house? No, no, no. I accommodate him. Yeah. I just move around whatever I have to do and just say, okay, let's get to work. And he would say, like, okay, I want to do uh I can't I can't think of a title. I want to do such and such a song. I want to do piano, bass, and some drums and some vocals. It'll take me 45 minutes. Okay. And I think okay. <laughs> sure, he'll come out and it'll take. 45 minutes. He's got it all in his head. You know, he knows how long it's going to take him to do something. 45 minutes later. Okay, thanks. I'm going to take off. That's that's how Brian works. In that situation, he's, I don't want to keep saying obviously, but he's known for being a prolific engineer and producer and all that stuff. When you're doing it, you you have your own idea of what you want to sound like, but then also you have his who, you know, he's thinking Mm -hmm. of every single tick of the Mm -hmm. song. How do you mix those together? Because obviously, I'm sure at some times it's conflicting to do one thing, but then you make sure you're doing the other. Well, I've worked with Brian long enough, and I've been in that scenario long enough to know that I'm going to pay attention to what he's what his suggestions are, because they might sound odd at first. Yeah. But I always know it's going to be fine. This is Brian, and he knows what he's doing, and it, whatever whatever seemingly odd idea he has, I bet it's going to work. <laughs> and it virtually always does you know well, he'll have some idea some combination of instruments he wants to use that we might think what what do you want to do what do you do and then you play it and it's great he'll do it and you go oh yeah okay you re- thanks you, re- you rejoined uh, brian for his band after how many years it was since you last with the beach boys in 20 the 50th anniversary tour in 2016 if i'm not mistaken 
what, uh-huh. was, what was that like? At, what was it like playing with him again after all those years since you last played with him? Oh, it was fantastic. Well, I had been subbing into the band for the previous maybe 10, 12 years whenever somebody like Darian wasn't available because he had some other work going on. Yeah. So I was in and out of the band a lot through the previous years. Then I started back permanently, I think, in late 2015. And it was great. The band is so good. The guys are so, you know, so wonderful bunch of people. Great, great hang. I'm curious on that on that situation because you mentioned that and I've seen you know I think David Beard post something something on his Facebook of you him and Mike and Bruce backstage at one concert. How does that work when you're obviously you're not you're not in the band but you're subbing in for people? Is it who who calls you up? Is it a middle person or is it you know someone else? Uh, who did who made those calls? Probably the manager, whoever the uh, manager was. Now was this. A recent thing, like in the last year with Beard? I think it was. I think it was within the last maybe year or so. It must have been mm-hmm. a concert that was near you. It was. I wasn't playing. They just, they were near yeah. here in Ohio. And I went up there to see them. It was great to see them. Yeah. For, for you to be back with Brian now the last few years, it must have been, it must have been back to that boyhood, you know, dream of playing with the Beach Boys and to finally, you know, be with them for a long yeah. period of time. Yeah, it's, it's 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 great full circle, you know. And now I'm at the point in my life where this is like a really great gig to have at this point. So when you, when, when you were when you joined them in that that tour that first tour in 2015 or 2016, they were doing their 50th anniversary for Pet Sounds. That you know in itself yes. is a monumental album. That's you know one of the greatest, if not the greatest, besides maybe a, a, a Beatles album. If you want to be generous like that to the Beatles fans. When you're joining for that specific album, is, is that hard to, you know, carpet mentalize or whatever the word is to, you know, make sure you're playing that album as well as it should be? Oh, it was a challenge. It was a challenge. Yeah. Getting all those sounds right here, getting those sounds. And uh, there's a lot of work. And, and Darian Sahanaja had a lot to do with making sure I and everyone yeah. else in the band was playing what needed to be played. He's very good at that. So he, he kind of led me by the hand and showed me what I needed to play on the different keyboard parts and vibes and everything. Um, it was a challenge, but God, did I, I love doing it. Those songs, I, like you said, you know, do I still love these songs? We get in the middle of some of these songs and I go, God, I can't believe what I'm playing. Yeah. These songs are so good. So well, good. Even from a fan's, uh, a fan's perspective, I know <clears throat> Brian usually plays the same songs besides now when the 50, the uh, box that was just released of Feel Flows and uh sunflower but even a song mm-hmm. like surfer girl or god only knows it you just sit back and it's like even though this man's been playing it f- for 60 years it's still as amazing as the, er- the early recording was there a song on that album when you joined them back that you found really difficult to playing early on compared to the others uh when i sounds. first played with yeah. the group no with pet sounds when you rejoined them a handful oh of years ago. Um... Oh, what was the most difficult? They, they, they were all a challenge. None yeah. of them were difficult. It's just a matter of keeping your head on. Um, I loved play, I loved doing the two instrumentals. I loved Let's Go Away for a While yeah. and uh, Pet Sounds itself. Let's Go Away for a While blows my mind. I mean, just, yeah, just I don't know what to say. Just That's a great piece of music. But that all of them, I just wasn't made for these times. Oh, my God, what a song. What a song. They're you, all great. You play. I forget who it was. I think it was. No, it was Matt from Matt Coffee who had mentioned that at, that um, Mike's band is more of a you know a dance party atmosphere, and Brian's is sort of a a, a slower slower down you know sitting listening music. Um, how, you played with both groups. How do you assess both groups now that since you've played with them, I've had so much experience with with both. Well, I think it probably just just comes down to the the fact that Mike is a lot more animated and he's a yeah. great stage performer, great showman. And Brian's very much inside himself yes. and kind of quiet. And so that energy doesn't come physically from Brian, but the rest yeah. of the band is, is trying to yeah. do their best to keep it. But yeah, that's the big difference is Mike's got, he's very animated. He's still a great performer. Um, I'm sure, especially at, you know, although Brian's only a short, uh, short walk behind him at 80 years old to still be able to crank out the songs and sing them so well as Mike does is you know impressive. I hope that one day I can be able to reach that level. Um, but yeah. for for you when you were first joining out, you know as you mentioned, Brian relies on 
the band Darian and the rest of the guys and yourself to play the music. Was it hard for you to, for, to experience that when you joined back in 2015 or was it something that you were ready to take on? Oh, I was ready. It was great. You know, I hadn't lost a bit of enthusiasm for it. So it was wonderful to play those songs again. Even better, better than ever, I would have to say. Partly partly because, well, a couple of things. I'm at the point in my life where I really, really appreciate being able to do this. Maybe when I was younger, I sort of took it for granted. You know, I'm always going to have this, but, you know, you don't. And now to have it now. But, uh, yeah, just really appreciate the songs and love them more than ever. We had, we had talked early on about, you know, playing with Chris Farmer and then you play with him in Surf City All-Stars. And I talked to Bobby about his group and how a lot of the guys in his group had played with the Beach Boys during the same time as he did, but then also after. For you in that situation where you're playing with Chris Farmer, who also played with the Beach Boys and as well as maybe a few other members, is that, you know, a moment where you sort of, you know, take back and like, wow, this is how big this music is to, you know, society itself seeing is that, all these former members are, are together. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah, we, we've, we all love playing together, you know, just tapping into our, uh, our common bond with the music. So it's a great, great, great thing. All the guys are keeping busy doing this stuff because the music is so popular that, you know, we can yeah. do it for all sorts of different venues and different events. So. And I'm sure with the recent release of the box set, as well as what David Beard had done with the other guys, not with uh, except with Brian, um, the add some music to your day reissue definitely brings new life into the music. Um, Like I mentioned, the 50th anniversary you you were parted with them. How surreal was that for you to see all the living members back together again, doing it all together again? Yeah, well, I didn't. I didn't. I went on stage with them a couple times, but just not as a permanent, not as a real yeah. member, just as they were playing in LA. So I went up and I mean, it was, it was quite, quite, quite a sight seeing everybody up there, you know, made me miss uh, Carl and Dennis quite yeah. a bit. That was a big, big haul, but great to see. I'm glad that David Marks got to be a part of it. Yeah. And uh, of course, Fosquette was still, still working there. Yeah. And so out. it was very cool. Very cool. Brian seemed to be enjoying it. Well, I, I, can, I can tell you, it looked well. It looks like in some of the videos that he was enjoying, and he definitely was sounding very well, especially at, at that point. There's a song that Good. he played on the on the tour. It wasn't on. I don't think it was a regular song on there, but it was a song from their. It must. I think it was from their '79 album, uh, um, the LA Light album, "Good Time," and he was singing it. And oh, Al, yeah. Al had come in and sang the. Um, I forget what part of the song it was, but it was. I was taken aback each time listening to it because it's such a. Great song to hear Brian sing it so well is definitely something. Speaking of the, the current times where we find our, ourselves in it, Brian, has, Brian, you know, going back on tour playing with Chicago, which I'm very curious about how that happened. Um, is there a song that, that you've played with him with, or a song that you want to play with them that you haven't been able to play on the tour that you hope is added? Added to Brian's set? Yeah, that you, that you can... like. Oh God, there, there are tons. I couldn't even begin to tell you there's so many. If I had if I had my way and I could construct construct the whole set list, there would be all kinds of stuff on there. But as it is, you know, you can't do everything. I don't know. I'd have to think about that. But there are songs that would be great if if the Chicago horn players would play yeah. with this, like Darlin', you know, stuff yeah. like that. Oh, because they cool used to play be? during the, I think it was during the Beachago tour that they had. Yeah, back in the seventies, yeah. Yeah. Now, what I, what I really marveled at and what I wanted to ask you about is that when I see, when I went to go see Brian a second time in October, he's, he was singing, Do You Want to Dance? Dennis's song. And then Al jumped in with him. Yeah. When they add that, whether it's um, Paul or Darren or Brian or whoever it is that makes the decision, when you see them add a song like that, which is something they haven't probably uh, sung in a while, how do you... How does, what's that like when you see him add a song to the song list like that? Well, a song like that has been in and out of our set for years, but and we always that, that song in particular we kind of we seem to forget about. So, yeah. And I said, "What about Do You Want to Dance?" And everybody goes, "Oh yeah, that's a great one." So it, it, it'll it'll get back in the set list for a while. So you know, there's always songs that are in and out of the set, and that's one of them. It should be in. From your from your perspective, you're you're not next to Brian, necessarily exactly next to Brian as maybe Darren or 
Al is, but when you're staying to the side and you're watching Brian sing that, had do you have any idea what that's like for him to sing a song like that, especially when it's you know sometimes hard for him to speak about his brothers? I don't know. I don't know whether that crosses his mind at that point in the middle of a song. I don't know if he thinks about Dennis or if he thinks about Carl. I, I don't know. I, I hope he's just enjoying the moment and yeah. not, you know, getting morose about it. Of course, yeah. I don't think about, I don't think about those guys and I, you know, I loved them. And yeah. I, but I don't think about them then. Yeah. It's not, it's not the right place. Al, Al over the last few years, and I want to say the last few years, what am I saying? Since probably the beginning, his voice has not, hasn't really changed at all since he first started. So now at this stage in his career, you play him, you know him. How do you how do you explain how he's been able to sound this besides maybe the obvious choices of as he says staying staying clean with Al Jardine? How do you <laughs> how do you how do you assess that with him? I think that's it in a nutshell. That's it. He's he's had a very healthy life and his voice is fantastic. It hasn't he hasn't lost a bit. You know, he just yeah. sounds like an older version of himself. And he'll claim, oh, I can't hit that note. We, gotta, we can't do it in that key. There's no Al, let's do it. And he hit the note. And, oh, yeah. gosh, well, okay. okay. Is there a song that he, <laughs> that he has performed at the shows since you've been back that you enjoyed um, participating with him in? Oh, man. Every song he sings, he, he, he nails. I mean, give me some titles. I'll tell you, they're all great. Help me, Rhonda. Obviously, his classic one. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's you know that's obvious. Little Deuce Coop. Yeah, he does a great Little Deuce Coop, of course. Which, yeah. and I, I want to say that when he, when I first saw or saw them, you guys, uh, in January of t- two years ago, him him singing "Help Me, Rhonda" got me into the um, Today album, and mm-hmm. all those songs from it. You know, "Do You Want to Dance?" <sighs> I believe is on there. And yes, it is. Yeah. And I forget what else is. I forget what else is on there. A few other Dennis songs, but a great album. And he's just so great. And what I like about him is that he's positive, and he also gives credit to Brian for what he's provided, but also not someone who's overly showboating about it or overtly praising about him too much. Which also I think yeah. the band does in general, which I'm sure Brian appreciates it, whether he says it frequently or not, is another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's he's very grateful to Brian for that. For all that he has. You, and, uh, and, well, sorry, what? Sorry, I interrupted. You know, just Brian's also very grateful to Al for still being there and still singing great. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure he it meant a lot to him after the 50th anniversary where he went with Al and David and filled out the, pre, the remaining engagements and yeah. then they came back afterwards. Um, yeah. As, as I mentioned, and you mentioned, we've talked about Darian. You play next to him and you've played mm-hmm. next to him practically the entire time you've been back with Brian. Darren, I'm sure, has a lot of responsibilities with Brian, but also the band and making sure Brian's mm-hmm. doing okay and cool. He's been there for so long since the beginning, basically. What's that experience like playing next to Darian? Oh, it's fantastic. He's he's so I just admire. Him. He's so he's so good and so clear and so consistent, completely consistent. And he, he has a great relationship with Brian. He really does. They have a wonderful sort of bond. And he knows how to he knows how to, you know, get to Brian and yeah, well, I'm get sure. the most out of him. Get the absolute. Did you? I I was the piano album that you know just came out. Yeah. I didn't know what to think of that at first when I just heard about it because Darian had told me they were doing this. And well, is this is this? Well, I don't know what to think of this. And I heard it the other day, and I was so surprised that I was just completely moved by yeah. it because it was just such a simple expression of how good these songs yeah. are. It's not a jazz. It's not jazz impressions of these songs. It's just here are these songs played on the piano, yeah. and I was just overwhelmed. God, these chord changes and how great are these songs? I loved it. I really enjoyed well, it. As, as I mentioned earlier, it's, as I said with Al, for even Brian to be able to play these songs, because sometimes you know I'm sure he checks out sometimes when he's playing, um, but for him to be able to still play all these songs, and I know people had. Online had cut, get, I don't want to say gave him flack, but we're getting upset because they weren't sure if it was him playing or not. But I, when I when I play God Only Knows from that that album, I know every single I don't honestly know every single lyric like I'm yourself or someone out there who knows the song. But it, it's a great album because I know that he's wanted to do like a rock and roll cover album for who he's been saying that for for years. But yep. to see him being productive again for this much is you know still. 
um, impressive. For you, let's I know. Say, looking looking back on it, you've played with him on a few of his records. Is there mm -hmm. one that sticks out to you that you enjoyed more than the other ones? I, I did some on the Gershwin record, which I loved. I loved that. Um, and on uh, oh, um, That Lucky Old Son, I did a little bit of, I think I played accordion on that. And uh, <laughs> what, what do I think? What am I missing? What am I missing? Were you on the Disney um, album that he did? Oh yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that that actually, the genesis of that was out at my studio. Paul right. and Brian and would come over and we would work on ideas for that record, listen to different Disney songs. And that's where that all started. So yeah, I loved doing that one. That was fun. That was fun. When you did those three yeah. albums with, that's, you know, three big projects, different music. Um, can you tell if his, I don't want to say his mood or, you know, his willingness to do it, but this is demeanor change when it's a different album, whether it's the genre or whatever they're trying to play since you've yeah, met them. Yeah, he was, he would really get into it. He was like the Gershwin record. I remember when he first heard about uh, the possibility of doing a Gershwin record, he was, he was kind of like baffled by it. So they want me to do Gershwin music. I don't know if I can I'm do sure. this. And they would sit and think about it. Said, yeah, okay, I think I can do this. Yeah. Because it's all he's all oh, yeah. processing it as well. And on the Disney thing too, when like I say, when he and Paul would come over and we we're going through lists of titles to possibly consider to do, he would listen to it and he'd be very quiet. He'd go, No, I don't think I can do anything with that one. <laughs> and another one, he'd hear a few seconds of it, he'd go, Yeah, that's good. Let's do on that. Let's work on that one. You know, because it's 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 all still there. God, to, be cool. able, to be able to that quick to hear only a few seconds of a song no i can yeah. do some of this is it was very cool very cool to, be, to witness his process even at this point in his life it you was know, great. I'm, I'm not i'm not a musical genius i more i'm more <laughs> perfect or now i say perfect more able to be uh, sufficient on the athletic field or court but man yeah. I, I wish i had that talent i want to mention that the gershwin album briefly obviously he i know yeah. he likes that music and that's sort of i want to say maybe his style more than maybe a dentist who was more hard rock and roll. Mm -hmm. was, was that an enjoyable experience you think from him to be able to accomplish all that was there? Cause I know in interviews he did, he really liked it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He was very proud of it. We were all, I played on, I don't know, maybe two or three of the songs and I just loved it. I was so honored to be part of it. I have to look at the credits again. I have to, I forget exactly how much I did on that, but I just know it was a great project that everybody was, but obviously the material oh, <laughs> the material yeah. is as good as anything ever yeah. written. So, you know, it's you, pretty cool. You mentioned that you played accordion on, uh, on one of the albums. You obviously, you're, you play, you know, the uh, keyboard and then the, um, yeah. I forget on the other instrument you play. I'm drawing a blank. Um, the vibes? Yes, the vibes. Played, yeah. You're, you're not playing the accordion at a Brian show. So how do you, how does that work when you're playing an instrument that you're not con consistently playing on a tour? Well, the accordion, I'm not, a, I'm not a really skilled accordion player. I mean, it's a keyboard, yeah. and so I can kind of translate my piano skills to accordion, but I'm not fluid on it. You know, I watch great accordion players. I go, oh, my God, that's incredible. I can't do that. But I was able to play what I needed to play efficiently. So that's the kind of player I am on the accordion. So as far as bringing it to the stage and playing live, it's just as easy to bring up a nice yeah. accordion sample on the keyboard and play it there. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm curious about this. I saw video videos from, it must have been late 80s tour, early 90s, or concerts with Jan Dean and yeah. playing the uh, keyboard guitar. Can you still play the uh, the keyboard guitar? I suppose I could. I, I think I still have one downstairs in the closet in my studio. I think I kept one. I beat the hell out of them, so <laughs> I think one of them I had to just throw out. Wow. So, that, but that was fun. That was a fun yeah. period to, to play to be able to get up and be mobile and play the keyboard and i got fairly adept at it i guess the word would be it felt pretty comfortable it's an odd thing because you're, you're oh, playing yeah, like sure. this which is not not the yeah. way you're supposed to play but now, it was fun fun you know, time i mentioned we talked about this when we before we got going and mentioning it early on um, recording the 60 uh, not 60 well it is the 60th anniversary for the the beach boys music and whatnot and Brian's going out the tour. The group is with Chicago this summer for another time. Yeah. What are you expecting with this tour? Are you setting the bar high for yourself and the other guys? 
Sure, absolutely, absolutely. We're gonna set the bar high. You know, we're gonna we're gonna you know if we if this knock on wood if this all comes through, you know, and there's everything's so strange out there right now that you can't count on anything. Oh, so exactly. Yeah. If it happens, we're gonna put everything into it. Believe me. Now, yeah. how do how do you how do you facilitate that? Playing with Brian, some of you grew up idolizing, and then you play with another group as big as the Beach Boys, Chicago, on the same yeah. stage together. I don't know. It's going to be quite an experience. You know, I'm a I'm a big fan. I'm, I admire Chicago. They've had a yeah. great career and they have incredible records, and I can't wait to hear them play. And I hope we all get to play together on a on a song or two. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Now, I don't need I, I don't need any ex exact examples because I'm sure you you know more than me. Would if you had the opportunity and if it's available, would you play with them on stage for a song or two? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. If you if you could choose, what song would it be? Oh gosh. Um, well, I I hope we do "Wishing You Were Here." Yeah. I hope we do that and get to sing that with them. That would be awfully cool. Yeah. What What's the other one? There's another song. Uh, twenty five, six or four, or twenty, whatever the. Well, that's kind of guitarish, yeah. you know. Keyboard, you don't. They don't really need a keyboard. Another yeah. keyboard on that song. You know, it would have to be something else. Yeah. They've had so many great ones. Now, uh, looking back at it all before we end and going to the one word challenge quickly, looking at has looking back at your historic career playing with the Beach Boys, Jan <clears throat> Dean, all this other amazing stuff, has mm -hmm. it been exactly what you expected when you were a young child? Oh no way! I had no idea. If you'd have told, if you'd have taken me aside when I was a kid and said, "Here's some of the stuff you're going to be doing in your life," I would say, "Are you serious? Are you, <laughs> really?" Are you kidding me? Huh? Really? No, it would have been, I would have been out of my mind, crazy, thrilled. Yeah, it's now, been great. I mean, I, it's been a wonderful thing. Now, before we end here, and I let Garrett get on his way, and I've had him a, a, a long time. I want to end with a segment called the One Word Challenge. So for those out there who don't know what it is, the One Word Challenge is when I take a few, five or six topics that have something to do with our guest being Gary Griffin today, and he has to do his best to say a word or two or a sentence that best describes the word when he hears it. So, Mr. Gary, are you ready? I hope so. Uh, Lebanon, Ohio. It's uh, it's well, it's it's hometown-ish. It's not. I didn't grow. If, if, do you want me to elaborate or just? I can what? just tell you, it's 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 near where I grew up, so it's home. It's home. Dean Torrance. <laughs> He's a buddy. He's a dear buddy. Good friend. Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson was, was, um, in a nutshell, he was one of the sweetest guys I've ever met and one of the most troubled, yeah, you know, just angst ridden guys that I ever met. Sadly, but and he was, when he was sweet, nobody liked him. He was wonderful. And you, you mentioned quickly, um, that, Brian, you know, has this where he wants to do everything right then and there. And for this time, did Dennis yeah. sort of had that same thing when you were back then? Or was it, was that just not oh, the case? I didn't work. I didn't work in the studio with Dennis. I didn't work creatively with Dennis only on stage. Okay. So I can't, I can't really say, I, I don't know what he would have been like to work with. I wish I had that opportunity, but I didn't. Uh, next one, keyboards. Keyboards. It's my home. It's my, that's my, uh, that's my thing. I've got a ton of them in the basement I'm in sure. my studio. A ton of them, and so including here's a, I, I have the synthesizer. I bought it years ago from the Beach Boys. The synthesizer that Brian used on Beach Boys "Love You." Wow. <laughs> you know, one of, that his, one of his favorite out one of one of his favorite albums. He said, and you have I know. a synthesizer. I, I, I'm sure you're never going to let it go of that ever. Well, I don't know. I might have to, you know sell it someday a heavy bargain though you're gonna have to you're gonna want a lot of things in return for for that i'm sure after from that album um, oh yeah and certainly oh, yeah. last but certainly not least gary griffin oh god what a fool <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that's tough man that's tough i like the guy and he drives me nuts <laughs> you know you know there are moments where i just like to beat the hell out of him <laughs> And uh, most of the time, most of the time, I like it. Well, Gary, I want to say sincerely, and I mentioned. And I think my wife time. will agree. My wife will agree the same thing too. <laughs> well, yeah. Gary, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, before we got going, I'll say it again. Thank you so much for doing this and coming on this week. It means a great deal. 
I, I truly mean it. Well, thanks, Nolan. It was great. You 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 conducted a wonderful interview. Oh, thank easy. you. And, and I want to yeah. I want to say this briefly before I do my other plugging and whatnot. When I went to go see you in October, I believe you had gone on stage and you know tested a few keys out and a few other sound things out, and you're on stage. And I went to my dad and said, "Hey, you see who that is? That's, that's Gary Griffin. He plays with Brian." And I was just saying, like, "Oh my gosh, there's Gary." And I saw, I think Paul. No, uh, no, yeah. Um, yeah, no, Probing had come out, and then I think Rob Bonfilio came out, and I was like, what is this? They're all coming out now. Um, but no, if you like what you watch today, boys and ladies and gentlemen, do us a favor, subscribe, like, comment, share, follow, because 10 years from now, when this blows up like Joe Rogan, you look back on this episode with Gary and say, holy shit, this was amazing. Um, that's right, that's right. Do as he says. Yes, do as, or else I'll get, me and Brian Wilson will come after you, and then, then Gary will come after you. Don't you don't want that. You don't no. want that. You don't want Brian's six six frame coming on coming off the top rope on you. Um, no, no, no. Uh, Gary, if, as I usually like to do, I usually let people take the floor. On this one, is there anything you'd like to plug or promote coming up, or that you have in the uh, coming up right well, now? Obviously, obviously, if if you have the opportunity to see this uh, Chicago and Brian Wilson tour in June and July, do it because you know who knows how long we'll be able to do this. Exactly. So, where, will we see you at any of those shows? Um, now, I, I, as I mentioned, we got going. I live in around, so not a whole lot comes there. But Massachusetts, the Xfinity Center in Mansfield, Mass, is the closest spot. So I'm gonna try to get there. Try to get push my dad into knocking yeah. down on going there. Um, but I, I'm right. gonna try my best because <laughs> when are you gonna see Chicago and Brian Wilson again? So I know you gotta you gotta go to it. Well, let yeah. me know if you're gonna be there. Uh, we also have Long Island. That's not too far. Yeah, my fa- my my father will be driving, so I don't know if he's gonna be want to be driving out to a. Uh, Long Island for the uh, for the music. You, I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll talk. <laughs> yeah. To him. Don't worry. Yeah. Um. Well, if <laughs> if you want all news and updates regarding to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, follow on Twitter, Nolan Carr at Night, on Instagram, Nolan Carr at Night, and in the words of Johnny Carson, I bid you all heartfelt good night. We see each other again soon. Mm-hmm.